Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is, like I said, Mother's Day. It's also the sixth Sunday of the Easter season. Our order of service is in our bulletin. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 474, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, 
before God who searches the heart? Do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying, yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. lesson for this sixth Sunday of Easter. Again, scripture lesson instead of the Old Testament reading so we can hear about a little bit of the history of the New Testament church. This reading continues where we left off last week. Paul had been in the cities of Thessalonica and Berea and now he's in the city of Athens. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Alleluia, alleluia. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Alleluia. Alleluia. John chapter 14, verses 15 to 21. Reading that takes us back again to Maundy Thursday evening. In this section, Jesus 
talks about his leaving the disciples, but then sending the Holy Spirit and, and also how he would return to this world. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you re will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Let's continue with our next hymn. Hymn number 347, Jesus and Shall It Ever Be. reading from 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 15 to 22. 
the Apostle Peter was inspired to write, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all. To suffer for doing good, for it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow Christians whose hope is in Christ our Lord, in our scripture reading for today, we heard about how the Apostle Paul was in Athens, and Athens, that was a city which could be, could have been pretty intimidating for, for the Apostle Paul. It was a prominent, a very important city. You could look at that city and think of it as a great center of philosophy and knowledge. It was full of beautiful buildings, beautiful temples. But one thing that that city was also full of, a uh, is idols and the fact that it was full of idols and that there was so much idol worship there that could have intimidated the Apostle Paul it could have made him feel like maybe what he really needed to do is to keep his mouth shut and not be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with these people but that's not what Paul could do. He, he knew that, like I said, that city full of idols, full of idol temples. And he knew that if those people continued in their idol worship, if they continued in their idol worship, that they would all be destined to eternal punishment in hell. And he didn't want that for them. He didn't want that for anyone at all. Paul didn't want that to happen to anyone. He told them about Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior God, who had been unknown 
to them, who had been unknown to them, and well, with God's help, with God's strength, what the Apostle Paul did is he was following the Apostle Peter's directive in our script, in our epistle reading for today, following his directive when he told, well, Paul told us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who would ask us about the hope that we have in Christ. In Peter's phrase here, always be prepared to give an answer. The word answer actually in Greek transliterates into our English word apology in the classical meaning of the word and transliterates when you take the Greek letters and make them English letters, it's, it's the word apology. But when you think about that classical meaning to the word, it doesn't mean to apologize, to say you're sorry. Rather, it means to make a defense. It means to stand up for. That's why we just sang the, we opened our service with the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. But to defend Jesus, to stand up for him. And that's what the Apostle Paul was doing. He didn't keep his mouth shut. And as we hear the Apostle Peter's encouragement, we're kind of encouraged to be like the Apostle Paul, to always be prepared. So let's ask ourselves the question as we look at this, do we apologize for Christ. Not that we're meaning we're saying we're sorry, but that we defend him, we stand up for him, and, well, we are apologizing for Jesus, standing up for him, defending him, when we speak of our hope in Christ and when we keep our eyes on Christ. Earlier in his letter, the Apostle Peter had noted that a Christian will want to repay evil with deeds of love and kindness? Well, Jesus, he encourages us, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, and that's not easy. Sometimes it's almost impossible to do to others as you would have them do to you. We're, we're more inclined when someone would hurt or harm us when someone would offend us, we're often more inclined to do to others as they do to us or, or maybe even try to go a little bit further and get a, the upper hand on them by doing more to them than they've done to us. But that's not what God wants of us. So if someone ridicules us or gives us a hard time because our entire hope is in Christ our Lord. How are we to deal with that situation? Well, not by fighting back and not by being afraid. Peter says here, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Set apart Christ as Lord. Rather than relying on our own strength to endure the ridicule, what instead he's saying is, Rely on the Lord's strength. Look to him for his help and strength. We'll want to keep our hearts fixed on Jesus 
for his strength because he'll get us through any of the hardships, the troubles, the abuse, the ridicule that we may face in this life. So may God help us to set apart Christ as Lord so that our Savior is always guiding and directing us through the trials and troubles that we face in this life. With our hearts set apart for Christ then, we'll want to prepare ourselves, as he says here, to give an answer to everyone who asks about our faith. You know, and well, with our faith in Christ our Lord, the fact of the matter is, is that we can live with a confidence in this life that those who don't have Christ as their Lord, they can't possibly have. Well, we can have a confidence that they can't possibly have. And, well, those who don't have the confidence that we have, who have questions, well, they're bound to ask us questions if they at all care about, about eternity and about the hope that we have. Peter says here that we should always be ready to answer their questions. And... Well, what a shame it is if somebody would ask us about the hope that we have in Christ and we, we wouldn't know what to say to them. We wouldn't have an answer to give to them. But, but maybe it's important for us to realize here that being prepared to answer doesn't mean necessarily that we know it all. But it can mean that, well, what has God given us? He's given us the knowledge of looking to his word, to the Bible, for the answers that someone might give to us. And, and if someone asks us a question, well, hopefully we'd also know someone, maybe a pastor, maybe some other fellow Christian who could help us with the answers that we need to answer their questions. Well, just before Jesus ascended, into heaven, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Here he was talking to those disciples back then, but he's, he's also talking to you and to me. So let's ask ourselves, are we witnesses who are always prepared to witness to others? And now to understand that always being prepared if a school teacher wants to be a good teacher, what does that teacher need to do? He, he, she always needs to also be a student who's constantly studying so that he's growing in his knowledge, right? And throughout our lives as believing children of God, we'll want to be students of Jesus and his word so that we can be his witnesses, so that we can be prepared to answer when we witness to others, Peter says here, do this with gentleness and respect. When we speak to others about the hope that we have in Christ, we'll want to do that with love and concern and patience and doctrine. And oh, there's no telling how we could hurt the spread of the gospel if we would do something like that with an arrogant or a hot-headed or a holier-than-thou attitude. Instead, do it, as he says, with gentleness and respect. Well, we do need to be careful 
how we talk about the Savior, but we can't overemphasize how important it is that we actually do that talking about the Savior. Oh, it's easy for us to be like the, the 40 sundials that were found in this collection, in this collection of a wealthy man's antiques when he passed away. He had stored these sundials, 40 of them, in a windowless room in special cabinets, but those sundials, they weren't serving the purpose for which they had been made, and the purpose they were made is so that with the sun's light they would tell you the time of the day, but in a windowless room with in special cabinets, they weren't serving their purpose at all. And, and the fact of the matter is, is it's easy for us as Christians to kind of be like those sundials, but what we need to recognize is that God called us to faith in Jesus really for two reasons. And the first and the most important of those reasons, of course, is so that we can go to heaven, so that we know God's grace and love, so that we know the answer to our sins so that we can go to heaven, like I said. But the second reason then is so that we can spread the news about the Savior. Well, by the grace of God, you and I, we've been called to faith. We know about our sin. We know about our Savior. And we know about the heaven that he's won for us. We're heirs of heaven. Now the main reason for which we're here on this earth is so that we can spread that news. If we aren't talking about the Savior, then, then actually what we're doing is we're kind of being like those sundials that were in that windowless room in those special cabinets. Well, God doesn't want us to be like those sundials. He wants us rather to be like the Apostle Paul in Athens or the Apostle Peter. And now we're not talking about the Apostle Peter who denied Jesus three times. We're talking about the Apostle Peter who after Christ's resurrection and ascension into heaven, the one who boldly proclaimed the Savior, the Peter who when he was arrested, he told his accusers, his captors, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard through faith, and of course only through faith in Jesus the Savior are we or anyone else saved. But how can we keep our certain hope for eternity to ourselves? Peter couldn't do that. Paul couldn't do that. May God help us to not only be always prepared to give an answer to those who would ask us about the hope that we have, but also to take a phrase from, well, Nike from a number of years ago in their commercials when they said, just do it. How important it is for us to just do it, to witness about our Savior, to do it well, through our Wisconsin synods so that we can reach out into the world, well, on our own as individuals and even as our, a church, we couldn't possibly follow Jesus' directives to go into 
all the world and preach the good news to all creation, but through our synod, through our church body, through our regular support of our synod in our congregation's mission offering, and through the special gifts that we give to the synod, what we can do is we can, as he says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. We ourselves, what we're going to want to do, of course, is always keep on telling more and more people about the Savior, and we'll want our synod to keep on expanding its efforts to reach out to more and more people in the world while there still is time. Because that time, it's always getting shorter. Jesus exhorts us, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Well, Peter has encouraged us here to speak of the hope that we have in Christ. That is to apologize, using that classical meaning of the word again, to stand up for Jesus, to defend him. And now he reveals to us how we can be better equipped to do that apologizing, standing up for Jesus. And that is by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Peter said, For Christ died for our sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. When we keep looking to Christ and the cross on which he was sacrificed to pay for our sins, when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, where he, the righteous one, died for us sinners and paid for all of our sins, and when we keep on thinking about all that he actually did for us in order to win our salvation, how could we possibly keep that message to ourselves? Well, after Jesus paid for our sins, after he had finished his work, he, he was exalted, showing that God the Father had accepted his work. Peter says, Jesus was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. This refers to something that's in the scripture that's not spoken of a lot. But after Jesus died, of course, his body was buried. But on Good Friday afternoon, what happened is that God the Father received his spirit into heaven. And then early on Easter Sunday morning, well, he was made alive by the spirit. The Holy Spirit made him alive, it says. And then what Jesus did is he descended into hell, not to finish paying for our sins, because he had already done that on the cross. Remember what he said, it is finished. He said that as he was dying there on the cross. So Jesus' descent into hell, it wasn't to pay for sins, but rather it was to proclaim his victory to Satan and to his evil angels and to all of those who were already sentenced to eternal punishment in hell to proclaim his victory to them. 
And now you just have to think his going there and proclaiming his victory like it did to those who were suffering eternal punishment, how it had to knock the wind out of their sails, out of Satan's sails, so that the power, the effect of Satan and his evil cohorts on us today, not what it really could have been. Satan still is a formidable foe for whom we need to watch out for, but he does know that he has been beaten and that he can't ultimately win because the Savior already won. All of us who have been baptized into God's believing family can now, according to the Apostle Peter, think about our baptism and how it helps us to keep our eyes on Jesus because through baptism we receive the benefits of everything that Jesus has done for us with his life and death and resurrection. When we think of Noah and the flood, we probably think of how devastating that flood was, how, how it destroyed everything apart from Noah and his family and the ark and the animals who were aboard the ark. Those waters did kill so many people who did reject Christ. But the flood waters, what they also did is they did float the ark, which ended up saving Noah and his family and all of those animals. And now baptism works for us in a similar way. Peter says, baptism now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. The waters of baptism, what they've done for us is they've washed away, they've drowned our sins, giving us a clean conscience so that we are sinless in God's sight. Peter says, baptism saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Oh, the fact that Jesus did rise from the dead, that gives us proof that Jesus was victorious and that through our baptism, our sins really have been washed away and gone forever through faith in Christ. A few moments ago, we sang a hymn that asked if we were ashamed of Jesus. By God's grace through faith, we know that even though, well, we are tempted to be ashamed of Jesus. Some of what his word says is not accepted by the world today and maybe we would be ashamed of Jesus and wish he hadn't said some of the things that he does say. But actually, our old-fashioned religion, there's no reason for us to be ashamed of that old-fashioned religion, to be ashamed of Jesus. Rather, what we'll want to do is proclaim him as the only real way to eternal salvation. So let's keep on apologizing for him. 
And I use that word because, well, again, think of its classical meaning. It's not saying, I'm sorry for what Jesus says, but it's defending him. It's standing up for him, our Savior, our world's only Savior, and the way that we know we can be absolutely certain of our eternal life. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the second article and its meaning. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. All this he did that I should be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from death and lives and rules eternally. This is most certainly true. Let's pray. Father of lights, every good and perfect gift comes from you. Inspire us to think of those things that are true and long for those things that are good, that we may always make our petitions according to your gracious will. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, on this, well, special day, special day, Mother's Day, we also will want to thank you for our mothers, especially for Christian mothers who would share with us the faith that we have in our Savior, Jesus. Please keep on giving our world more and more Christian mothers and, and fathers as well who share with their children the love of God in Jesus Christ and who keep on revealing to their children how wonderful and blessed they are because they have that love in Jesus Christ. We continue to keep in our prayers, well, we'll keep Pastor Eckert in our prayers as he continues to recuperate from his surgery and, and Ruth Eckert dealing with skin cancer, recuperating from that. Paula Burris with her leg and, and circulation issues. Deb Spitzley with her eye and other problems. And, well, Diane Kennedy's brother dealing with prostate cancer. 
and well, Diane Kennedy dealing with back issues. Well, Lord God, as we think of all of these people and all of those in our prayer list and, and those who maybe haven't revealed their different aches and pains and problems and troubles, we ask you, Lord God, if it's according to your will, grant healing, help along the road to recovery, if that is your will. But as we always say, please keep on always giving to each of us always more and more of your grace and love and mercy because that's the healing for our souls that we need more than anything else. Lord God, keep us always in your loving care and we gather up all of the requests we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. Only announcement I have, well, we have our kind of normal schedule, ladies' Bible class Wednesday, and well, Wednesday I'll be heading up to Michigan Lutheran Seminary, so I guess Ruth will be leading the ladies' Bible class, but I'll be heading up there to do chapel there for the students and to talk to the seniors there about our campus ministry. But we will plan on having Wednesday worship again this week. I think that's what I have for announcements. Well, Wednesday's also Mick Wilzinski's birthday. That's my announcements for today. Again, happy Mother's Day. The Lord bless and keep you always.